Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Mary gave the church a demonstration of how to worship Jesus. She wasn't concerned about what anybody else in the house thought that day. People criticized her, even the disciples, for her lavish worship, her great sacrifice. And she put it all on his body. We know that today, Jesus' body is not a physical body, it's a spiritual body. It is the church of the living God. Ephesians chapter one says that Jesus is above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things to the church. And what is the church? It's his body. It's the fullness of him that filleth all in all. What are you saying? I've got to make sure that you understand what I'm saying here before I can really preach to you today. The body of Christ was anointed by Mary for his burial. But the body of Christ today is you. It's me. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his mouth. Oh, he's the head. No doubt about it. He does the thinking. He does the planning. He's above all. He is the head of this body. Mary was a converted harlot. And on the day that she came to Simon's house, she came to give. She did not come to take She gave out of appreciation. If we compare the account in Mark 14 and verse 3, it will read this way and give us a bit more detail. Being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment. Now it declares that the ointment is spikenard. Spikenard is the oil of appreciation. That's the definition of spikenard, the oil of appreciation. And that oil was very precious. But she broke the box and she took the oil and she poured it on his head. And there were those with indignation saying, why was this waste of ointment made? I want you to know that worship is never a waste. It is never a waste. Some may come to the house of God and say, what are you all excited about? Why do you stand so much? Why do you clap your hands? Why are you lifting your hands and singing praises? Why do you shut your eyes? And and why are you so demonstrative in your worship? Because I'm pouring my spikenard, my oil of appreciation on the body of Christ. I'm lavishing my love on the one who means so much to me. And it is not 
not a waste. Because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And when I begin to worship him, he inhabits the praises of his people. Oh, it's not a waste. There's no greater joy than to be in his presence. And it comes from lavishing and pouring your love on him. It's not singing a song. It's not standing up and being a part of what everybody else is doing. No, it's lavishing and it's pouring your love on him. Pouring your love on him. It might have been sold for 300 pence. This is a waste and and we could have given the 300 pence to the poor. And they murmured against her. Never murmur against the worshipers. I'm gonna tell you what Jesus would say. Why are you troubling this person? Leave him alone. Look what happened to Michelle and David. David danced before all of Israel, do you remember? He led the charge of worship. He danced with all of his might and his wife criticized him for his worship and she became barren. She bore no children. She criticized the worshiper. And even the disciples got caught up in it and murmured against one that worshiped, one that worshiped. Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a good work. The poor you're gonna have always with you. And when you can, do them good. Can I get an amen to that? But me, you're not always going to have. She has done what she could. You know, that's what I like about the Lord. He never asks me to do more than I can do. But he does ask me to do what I can do. And God should be able to speak to any one of us at any time and pull rank and tell us what to do. Prayer is not ordering God around. Prayer is reporting for duty and asking God to order you around. She did what she could. She came aforehand to anoint my body for the burying. Can I, oh, this is gonna blow your mind when I say this to you. Do you know I've read commentaries and one commentary says this about Mary and the alabaster box. The value of the box and the ointment that were in the box were probably to her a year's wages. Now let me bring that into perspective into the 21st century. Many of you are thinking about filling out your tax returns. You are getting W-2s. You are finding out, sometimes to your amazement, what you actually made last year. Some of you may have made 10, 11, $12,000, maybe a thousand, that averages a thousand dollars a month. And some of you have made 50, 75, 100, $150,000 between the two of you if you're married, in your home in a year. Can you imagine taking $150,000 and pouring it on the body of Jesus? $150,000 and pouring it on the Lord. 
And the person that's making $1,000 a month or ten dollars or $12,000 a year, it means every bit as much to you to pour that same amount. Am I making you think today? I'm thinking about Rick Kiley now. What Rick and Liz Kiley made last year as a gross income. Could we buy an ointment, pour something on the body of Jesus for the value of a total year's wages? I have been told that silence means you're thinking. The box, the box represents the body and the oil inside of it is the precious. Even the box that she brought the spikenard in was of great value, but she took the box and smashed it. I wonder if the box could have been reusable I wonder if there was a way she could have siphoned out the spikenard oil and saved the value of the box. But this was not about money. This was not about what I could save or or trying to keep the cost down. This was about I'm giving everything that I've got, every last drop. I'm pouring it on his head. I'm pouring it on his feet. I'm lavishing my love on his body. And do you know, let me just change direction a little bit. Let me talk to you about the body of Jesus for a minute. If we read the account according to Paul concerning what we call communion, it quotes Jesus as saying, that in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four, that when he had given thanks before the disciples, he broke the bread and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken. Let me give you a parallel between Mary and Jesus, if you'll allow me to do that. This is my body, what you're looking at right now is going to be broken for you. I'm going to allow this to happen. We're going to talk about Jesus' sacrifice and the love that he pours on the church, too. This is my body which is broken for you. And after the same manner, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. I'm going to pour out from my broken body my blood for you. Greater love, Jesus said, hath no man than this, than that he would lay down his life for that of a friend. And then he goes out and he does what he says. He doesn't preach about sacrifice and say, okay, you guys make the sacrifices. He preaches about sacrifice and then he demonstrates sacrifice. Look at what happened at Calvary in John 19 and 34. One of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith there came out blood and water. His head was a bloodied mess. 
His hands and his feet were a bloodied mess. The blood was pouring down his body. And finally, to make absolutely sure that he was dead, a soldier runs a spear through his side somewhere near his heart, and out comes blood and water. And that blood and that water is poured over your life in the waters of baptism because Jesus was lavishing his love. Lavishing his love on you. Wow. What a sacrifice. What a savior pouring his love on you. And when we repent, we are breaking the box. Psalms 51 and 17 says, the sacrifices of God, what does God want from me? A broken spirit and a contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. It's so hard, isn't it? Can you, can you flash back just a little bit to when you first came into the church? It was so hard to even clap your hands. You were like a robot. Lift your hands. Oh, no way. Somebody might see me. If I keep my hands close together, they might not see me. I'll clap. But I can't do much more than that. Do you know how hard it was to surrender your will to lift your hands and not be concerned about anyone but Jesus, to give him praise from your lips that might be heard a couple seats away? How difficult was it to break your pride, to come before God in humility, and God forbid, to leave your seat at the end of a service and go to an altar in humility and bend a knee and lift your hands and allow tears to flow out of your eyes as you felt the presence of God and poured your heart out to God. How difficult was that? How many services did you have to come to before you could allow yourself to be broken? To be broken. To ask God for a new heart and for a new spirit. Jesus, would you example to us what you want us to be and what you want us to do? Philippians, here's the demonstration. Philippians 2 and 7. But he made himself of no reputation. Speaking of Jesus now. He took upon him the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. How's that for humility? Is there a greater demonstration in the house today of humility than what I've just read to you from Philippians? You want more? How about the disciples at the supper again? Let's, let's take a look at that. This is from John chapter 13 and verse four. Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his garments, he took a towel, he girded himself, and after he poured water into a basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel wherein he was girded. Do you know what's happening here? Do you understand what's taking place in this upper chamber, 
He's talked to them about his body and the brokenness. And now he puts a towel, probably tucks it in his pants somehow. And he kneels down to his disciples with his basin of water and he begins to wash their feet. Do you know who's washing the feet? The creator is washing the feet of the creation. The imperfect, the sinful, the failing. He's washing their feet. He is washing the feet of his future body. That's his body. This disciple Peter here, if it's Peter at this moment, this is the guy that's going to proclaim the gospel. This is the guy that's going to deny him three times. You think he doesn't know that? He tells Peter he knows it. And here he is. He's on his knees. Washing the filthy feet of disciples. Wow. You talk about love. What is this? This is love. I love you, Peter. I'm praying for you, Peter. I know all of your imperfections, Peter. But I'm going to use you. You're part of my body. You're one of the reasons that I'm going to the cross. Peter, he couldn't hardly stand it. He said, Jesus, you can't wash my feet. Jesus said, well, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part, did you hear it? You'll have no part of me because I'm the body. I'm the head of this body. And my body needs to be washed. My body needs to be washed from head to toe. You just can't throw a little water on somebody. It needs to be dunked. It needs to be immersed. I'm going to anoint your head. I'm going to anoint your feet. I'm going to anoint your hands. I'm going to anoint your mouth. I'm going to anoint your heart. I'm going to lavish everything I've got. I'm going to put the most... I'm going to put the most precious ointment that I have inside of this box. That's my spirit. I'm going to put my spirit in this box. What's the value of that? It's joy unspeakable. It's full of glory. The greatest gift you ever got from God was when he came and lived inside of your box. What a gift. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is in you. You're the ointment. You're the anoint. You're the anointed of God. Do you realize who you are, folks? You're not just a human being. You're, You're not just a bump on a log. You're not just a number in a congregation. You are the anointed of God. You are the anointed of God. What do you want me to do with the anointing? I want you to break the box. I want you to pour the oil on somebody else. Well, they're not worthy, Lord. They're sinful. They're ungodly. I'm not going to waste my time with people like, I only hang out with Christians. 
shame on us. A sinner woman is anointing the Savior. And later, the Savior will anoint the sinner. Let's take a look at her humility. Harlot? A harlot in a Pharisee's house. Do you believe it? That's got to be hard for you to do. Everybody knows your reputation, Mary. We all know you're a harlot. Matter of fact, if you read all of the accounts, one of the Pharisee will say, if Jesus was really who he said he was, he'd know she's a harlot. He knew she was a harlot. First Corinthians eleven fifteen. If a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. Her hair is given her for a covering. I learned this when I went to business ed classes. Do you know the first thing that a person notices about another person? Their hair. First thing they notice. The woman's long hair is for her glory, right? The most glorious feature of a woman is not her figure. Yet, she takes the most valuable, most noticeable, most glorious part of her body and unwraps her hair. And it falls down. And she anoints his head. And then she anoints his feet. And she gets right down by his feet where the oil and the dirt That'll preach. That's another message. The anointing oil and the dirt are mingled together on the feet of Jesus, and she takes her glory, her glory, her glory, not God's glory, her glory, and wipes his feet. Oh, don't get your hair dirty. It takes you so long to wash your hair, and then you have to dry it. Oh, you, you don't want to put your hair on some, you don't want to put your hair and your anointing on something that's filthy. Not Mary. Oh, no, Jesus. I love you. I take my glory. You know what the church is going to do when they get to heaven and God gives them a crown? They're going to put the crown. You've been working for a crown. That was your goal. That was your objective so that everybody that saw you could see all the stars in your crown and how glorious you had been on the earth. No, your attitude is going to change completely when you see when you see Jesus and you want to begin to pour your love on him, you're going to take that crown and say, here, Jesus, you're the one that's worthy of all praise. You're the one that's worthy of all adoration. I'm worthy of nothing. You're worthy of everything. I've come to worship you and I've come to pour, pour my love, pour my love on you. 
my love on you. You know what? Mary schooled us. You talk about a teacher. Mary, you're a great teacher. She schooled us. Freely we've received. Freely we give. Let me talk to you just a little bit more about the body of Christ. Matthew chapter 25. Everybody wants to hear this verse. Well done, you good and faithful servant. Notice the word faithful. I'm not done preaching yet. Notice the word faithful. That means full of faith. Somebody say amen. That's not deep enough that you can't say amen. Faithful over a few things. He didn't say over everything. Some of us are looking for perfection while others of us are constantly making excuses. Let's just be faithful over a few things, okay? Let's do what we know we're supposed to do. Faithful over a few things. So now, I'm gonna go beyond what you deserve I'm going to make you a ruler over many things. Few and many are not synonymous. We're doing what we can. Oh, just as Mary did what she could. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's what faithfulness will get you. The joy of the Lord. Then he says in verse 34, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was hungry, you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. And they say, well, we don't get this, Jesus. I, When did we ever see you? Here's his answer, 40. Verily I say unto you, insomuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Did you hear that? What is he talking about? He's talking about his body. The way you treated my body is the way that you treated me. Oh no, Jesus, that's, that's not true. We love you, Jesus. It's people that we hate. I love you, Jesus, but I can't stand my brother. You're in the second part of this not the first. We need to be in the first part. In so much as you did it to the least of these. The least, what does that mean? The most humble, the poorest. There it is again. Listen. For by one spirit, 
are we baptized into one body? The Spirit of God brings us into the body of Christ. So if you have the Spirit of God, you are in the body of Christ. That's why when the rapture takes place, if the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. There's going to be a connection because of the spirit. But the spirit put us into the body. Now the body has responsibility to the body. It does. And the body naturally responds to whatever the body needs. If you are injured, your hands will do something. Right? White corpuscles and red corpuscles will go to where they need to go. Because it's all, it's all part of the body. Now here's, here's going to be the harder part for you to hear and understand, but this is every bit as anointed as everything I've said to this point. Tithing is about faithfulness. Let me back up and establish my foundation. Tithing did not come from God, it came from Abraham, who is the father of the entire Israeli race. And he said, that he would give God the first tenth of all of his increase. And God said, amen. Furthermore, I will bless this principle. Whether you're a Christian, a Jew, a Gentile, it doesn't matter. It's a principle that God promised he was going to bless. God's first option is always to bless his people because they're his body and he wants to show his body off. That his children are well, that they love one another, that they are taken care of. That's why David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread because the body takes care of the body. And the head knows where to go to get it. So tithing is faithfulness. You remember what we read earlier? Well done, you good and Tithing is faithfulness. And it is a principle that God can bless. Remember when I told you about the guy that made 12000 a year versus somebody in here that maybe makes 150000 Do you know that if they tithe, they give exactly the same in God's eyes? Say, well, this brother's least of the brethren. He only makes this amount of money. And this is the greatest of the brethren. No, they're equal. It's a great idea. God approved of it. Now, the next thing after tithing is offerings. Offerings are about thankfulness. They're about appreciation. They're about the second part of stewardship. 
can God, if God has given us, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Anybody know that scripture? It's in James. Everything we have, we have because God has given it to us. But we are stewards of what God has given to us because he can pull rank out of, on us at any time. I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna show you how good God is. I gotta be careful how I say this because I don't wanna expose any names. But my wife and I have always had at least one car that has been rather small and economical so that we could save gas. Okay? And a few years back, we've always, I remember when we had the Christian school, we'd even let the, the kids wanted to take our car for the driving test because it was easier to parallel park. Remember those days when you tried to parallel park for your driving test? And so my wife and I said, well, yeah, we could, we could do that. Let them use the car for the driving test. One time we even let somebody use a car and it wasn't their fault. It was probably just the time that the car was going to die. All cars die. Just a question of time, they will succumb. And we let somebody use the car and the, and the engine blew. And we didn't have a second car. Do you know what God did? He didn't arrange for a loan at the bank. He moved on somebody. Somebody gave us a car. Gave us a car. That's the way God works. And God does that not, oh, you know, well, Rick, Rick and Liz Kiley, they're special. You know, that's the pastor's wife, and, and God loves them more than anybody else. That's just not true. We're just kids like you, okay? And God loves you as much as he loves us. But if you will be faithful, if you will be thankful, God will bless you. I'm not talking about the times that God has has moved on us to bless other people in the body, in ministries. But God always blesses faithfulness and thankfulness. I told the congregation today, do you know that this church, here's a praise report, this church was the number one giving church in section two for Christmas for Christ this year. The largest in our section. And there are churches in our section that are much bigger than we are, but this church gave 6,800 plus to Christmas for Christ this year. Good for you, well done you good and faithful, thankful servants. Couple weeks later, in comes Brother East. He's got a need. I tell you, Brother East has a need. What do you do? You turn around and give $3,900 to Brother East. Why? Because this is a thankful congregation. They're thankful for his ministry. They're sensitive to his need. And God says, this is what I want you to give, and you give it. God blesses that. So I'm asking today, take a look at this, Malachi 3 and 8. This is a rebuke to Israel. So I'm going to say he's rebuking Israel. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. 
You say, wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Listen to what God is trying to get across to them. Because at the time of this writing, Israel is God's people, right? And he is rebuking them. You robbed me. No, 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 no. Hey, we didn't rob you, God. If we don't give of our tithes and our offerings to the tabernacle or to the priesthood, we're not doing that against you. That's against them. And he said, no, you don't understand. You're doing it against my body. You're taking it from my body. Oh boy, it's quiet in here now. You're taking it away from my body. That's my body. You want more proof? Watch this. Saul was the greatest persecutor the church ever knew, right? On the road to Damascus, he's continuing his journey, carrying out his mission, and Jesus knocks him down and blinds him on the road to Damascus. And listen to what he says to him. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting the church. But Jesus said, oh, yes, you are. Because if you persecute my church, you're persecuting my body, of which I am the head. Are you getting this? This is not about abundant life. This is about the body of Christ. This is about your relationship with God. It's about pouring your love. I didn't, wouldn't get much out of that. Acts chapter 2, verse 44. Look what happens. Look what happens after the church experiences the new birth experience earlier in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Ghost is poured out on the beginning of the chapter, right? Okay. 120 receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 3,000 souls are baptized on this day. What a glorious, glorious day. What is God doing? He's pouring out his mercy and his blood for the remission of their sins. Then he's putting the oil in their alabaster box and filling them with his spirit. And what is their reaction to the lavish love that God has just bestowed upon 3,120 souls. How do they act? Hallelujah. Here's how they act. All that, Acts 2.44, all that believed were together. They had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods, parted them to all men as every man had need. They came to the conclusion that we are the body of Christ and we are in this thing together and if one of us has a need, then we're gonna respond in whatever we need to do. Whatever God speaks to my heart, that will I do. If God says to give this brother $100, I give him $100. Why would I do that? I have less money because it's not my money, because I'm the body of Christ, and because the head spoke to me, and I'm gonna pour my love out on the body. So are we, the Old Testament, Malachi chapter three, 
in robbing God in tithes and in offerings? Or are we the New Testament church that says, oh, beyond that, Lord, oh, beyond tithing's just a place to start. Offerings, whatever you say. There's a great need in the church. Just tell me what you want me to do, Lord, because it's all yours. What are you doing? I'm lavishing my love on the body. Look where it got Cornelius. What was the angel recognizing? Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. God sees it. God sees what you're doing to his body. Now he's going to bring you the salvation message. Go get Peter, the one whose feet I washed. I think you've got it. Let me just read this passage in in conclusion. Luke chapter 7. In verse 40. Simon, I have somewhat to say on thee. And he said, Master, say on. He said, there was a certain creditor and he had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? It didn't say owe him most. Did you see that? Please say amen. It did not say which of them owed most. It said which of them. Simon answered and said, well, I suppose the one he forgave the most. And he said, you judged rightly. Then he turns to the woman. Picture this. He said, Simon, you see this woman? I entered into your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head, with her glory. You gave me no kiss. This woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head, you didn't anoint it with oil, but this woman hath anointed my feet with that precious ointment, a year's wages. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven. Here's why. She loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And then he turned to her and said, your sins are forgiven. Let's stand together. Which of the two creditors am I? The one who owed much or the one who owed little? I can't answer that for you, but I can answer it for me. I'm the one that owed much. 
And that's why I love him so much. And that's why there isn't anything that he can't call on me for. I'm trying to put you in my position. Thus, in this message, we have come full circle. We began with a sinner anointing a savior and we conclude with a savior anointing a sinner. What have we got to offer? What will we pour on our savior and on his body? You know, there's a saying, it's called the law of sowing and reaping. What you sow, you will also reap. If I need mercy, I must sow mercy. If I need grace, I must sow grace. How am I treating Jesus' body. And can I say one more thing before I invite you to this altar today? I'm going to say this as gently as I can, but I need to be firm. I am really tired of people coming to an altar and praying for themselves and getting up and walking away. When is the last time you ever came to an altar and prayed for somebody else until you wept? When is the last time you ever said, what can I do for you? Because he's done so much for me. Jesus, When we come to this altar today, hear this song that we'll sing again as we pour our love on you and on your body. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.